0: in that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The summer was 1995. Manchester United had just lost... The Premier League title for the very, very first time. Blackburn and Newcastle had money. We had Middlesbrough and Bolton up. What could happen? This is the Barclays. How are you doing? You're right. We're in for another episode of the Barclays on the 70th episode of the What If Football podcast, if you like. The things we're doing here on every Wednesday on the Sports Social Podcast Network, we are on Patreon five days a week with Contemporary Football Podcasts, with Combined Eleven and other Nostalgic Football Podcasts. Check that out on our Patreon. But today, this is the Barclays. Let's get stuck in. And despite not winning the Premier League, Manchester United, Eric Cantona was dominating. So in the summer of 95, we had an influx of number 10s. Scouting departments up and down the country were presumably... Ringing up, sending for the number 10, and what better, what better example of this than Dennis Bergkamp coming to Arsenal from Inter Milan. He would adapt his game, he'd be a bit of a goal scorer at Ajax in the late 80s, and early 90s, and in that incredible effort, in a uh, UEFA Cup run for Inter Milan in 1993, featuring such wins as against Norwich City, if you remember those. He'd become a, a bit of an assistant, be withdrawing a number ten alongside the likes of Ian Wright, who would form a quite the partnership. And there's a story of um, Dennis Bergkamp and his wife or partner at the time going for going for a walk on a be it a preseason camp or a, a, a mid-season camp or something like that. He's gone on a walk with his wife, and he. He spots the rest of his Arsenal teammates in the pub getting absolutely steaming. Of course, Arsenal having a drinking culture around this time, it would send him back a little bit and shock him a little bit. Um, but this professionalism from the from the continent was, uh, was instilled in Dennis Bergkamp. I mean, it comes creeping into the game every so often. Had a bit of an effect on his players in the team. Of course, you combine that with um, Tony Adams and Paul Merson's admissions of their um, addictions and it would help sort of cushion the blow for when Arsene Wenger comes in to, to turn the, the the team, the club as a whole and perhaps even the league um, if it's not too much of a stretch to attribute the, the professionalisation of the Premier League to Arsene Wenger but the early little crumbs here from Dennis Bergkamp coming in from David Platt as well who albeit, yeah, an English footballer, but learned that professionalism in his time in um, in Juventus, in Barrett, essentially in Serie A where Dennis Bergkamp previously played, and that would help Arsene Wenger in the long run, of course. Other number 10s dazzling the Premier League with their skill in 1995 to 96 season is Juninho Paulista coming to the North East and to Middlesbrough, and loved it so much that... Um, he had three or four spells at the, at the Riverside here. And um, this has been his first spell, of course. And uh, the saying goes that, that players like Dennis Burke, kind like Janinho, number 10s, tricky little players, and we'd see it with Gianfranco Zola, that they would have to come to adapt to the Premier League. <laughs> the Premier League wouldn't adapt to them. But really, if you watch Brazilian football, say, for example, I'm recording this the day after... Brazil versus Ecuador in World Cup qualifying and um, that game quite famously had a number of red cards, a number of yellow cards. South American football is far tougher, far more violent than, than the Premier League could even dream of to the point of famous clashes in the Intercontinental Cup in the 60s and 70s the World Cup, especially 66. I mean, you've got the Battle of Santiago between Chile and Italy, England versus Italy at 1966, etc. So dating back all the way then, Brazilians were tough. I mean, come on. And one of the first questions that Juninho was posed was... Do you know how cold it gets in Middlesbrough in January? And I'm sure janinia didn't have any problems with adapting to that. Another talismanic, mesmeric, mercurial number 10 that we saw that was gifted to the Premier League came to Manchester City um, and courtesy of Georgian international Georgie king um In the words of Noel Gallagher, he said he would either take us to the European Cup or Division 4 and... Kind of somewhere in between, wasn't it, in the end? Um, In the end, Alan Ball, the manager, would come a little bit over-reliant on him. The testament from the player said that um, Alan Ball favoured him a bit too much, perhaps to the detriment of the team, but we'll get on to that Um, as the podcast continues, of course. Would there be a relegation scrap? Who knows? You might remember last week we were discussing the final 22-team top-flight league season, which... Claimed the scalp of Crystal Palace, who were fourth bottom, but unfortunately went down. And also Reading, it has to be said, who finished second, but had to go through the playoffs and albeit got beat by Bolton, who um our second promoter club alongside Juninho's Middlesbrough there. A few other big transfers before we kick into the first half of the season. We've got Rude Hullet joining Chelsea. Um... Would play at centre back. Um, although Chelsea were experimenting with a back three, which had been in vogue in Europe, although it was reaching the near end of that time as European clubs were reverting back to a back four. He would be more of a sweeper, and ultimately, Rudolf. If there was ever a um, if there was ever a transfer that sort of showed the differences between European and English football, that that Chelsea were so. Unused to these continental methods, perhaps playing a sweeper, perhaps Rudolit passing it around the back. That um, Rudolit would he couldn't play sweeper anymore. He'd have to move into more of a midfield role, and um, because he was putting his players under pressure, who, who wouldn't be able to uh, to uh, deal with passing it around in the in the defensive third. So that's one mark of how um, English football, even as late as 1995, here were um, slow on the uptake, really. And of course, we have to, um, we discussed last time, Jürgen Klinsmann, he's come and gone, of course, but um, he was among the first huge superstars at their peak to join from um, from Europe. But we do have a bit of a um, a stream of European talent continuing. You've got Savo Milosevic coming to Aston Villa for 1.3 million. You've got Sheffield Wednesday again, spending quite a lot of money. You've got Darko Kovacevic, you've got Dejan Stefanovic as well, coming for a combined 7 million pounds. You got Slaven Bilic at uh, West Ham for 1.5 million. You got Sasa Churchic coming to Bolton for 2 million, who again is like a Janino Bergkamp-Kinkladzi, kind of like this um, aloof number 10 figure who's very, very creative for Bolton and um, would be somewhat of a success. He, he would have a few uh, bright spark moments which we'll be uh, discussing as we uh, come along. There were also a lot of departures, um Paul Ince leaving the division and to be fair Man United in general Paul Ince going to Inter Milan Mark Hughes going to Chelsea Andre Kanchelski is going to Everton although that would be mid-season as um, pesky paperwork um, yeah. caught up with uh, both clubs there the marquee transfers though to be fair were most of them involved British players and two British clubs involved we already discussed David Platt coming from Italy to Arsenal but there's also Newcastle spending big again Les Ferdinand coming in David Ginola as well David Batty from um from Blackburn so maybe that Blackburn hangover will be uh, swift and painful meanwhile Nick Barnby comes to Middlesbrough from Tottenham bit of a coup there uh Gary Speed to Everton Jason McAteer to Liverpool um, back to his boyhood club and um Tottenham having sold all three of those marquee names that we mentioned last week. George Popescu, Ilya Dimitrescu, Jürgen Klinsmann, of course. They bring in Chris Armstrong, who had a pretty decent season last time in spite of the, um, the drugs ban there. So with all that included, with all the big ins and outs of the Premier League season, we'll be back after this short break to detail the first knock-ins of the 1995-1996 season after this short, short break. (laughs) Flick on that telly, mid-August, late Saturday evening, 1995, some warm August evening, and you would bound to hear the immortal line from Alan Hansen, you cannot win anything with kids. It was the opening day, of course, Aston Villa had just swept aside Manchester United, 3-1 Man United team, who had played quite a lot of the kids, David Beckham, who got on the score sheet late on in that game from a lovely long-range effort. But United, for the most part, shocking. Obviously lost two key players in Paul Lintz and Mark Hughes. Paul Parker has been phased out. And you've got in place the Neville brothers, Nicky Butt, Paul Skulls. Ryan Giggs have been there for quite a while, but um, he made up the class of 92 alongside, of course, David Beckham, the goal scorer there. But not a very good start to the season. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll check in with Manchester United, I think, periodically throughout this episode. But the opening day belonged to your Newcastles, your Blackburns, your Liverpools, i.e., the front runners that we would um, think of the 95 96 season, or at least to begin with. Les Ferdinand was on form for his new club in a 3 0 win over Coventry. For the Toon Army, it was a perfect start for the Champions Blackburn in a 1-0 win over QPR. Similarly, for Liverpool in another good debut, Stanley. Stan Collymore, uh, a marquee transfer we didn't mention, but um, he scored the winner against Wednesday at Anfield 2. And Newcastle, really, Les Ferdinand was absolutely on fire, scoring four goals in four. You, you've got them beating Bolton 3-1. Sheffield Wednesday 2-0, David Ginola there scoring a belter on his debut Peter Beardsley fluking across him, but regardless, it doesn't all matter that much. Um, but in in these uh, opening four games, with the 1-0 win over Middlesbrough, another Les Ferdinand crucial winner, of course, you got the entertainers keeping three clean sheets, so perhaps Newcastle aren't as bad at the back as we think. Meanwhile, in the in contention for the title, you got Liverpool, they've exchanged 1-0s with Sheffield Wednesday and Leeds, Falling victim to really a, an absolute rocket from Tony Yeboa. One that will be replayed again and again and again. The one that hits the crossbar twice and just... Whew, wonderful goal. Anyway, Manchester United come back into the points. First bit of revenge they beat West Ham, who stopped them winning the league title on the final day of the previous season in a 2-1 win there at home to the Hammers. They beat Wimbledon as well before a second bit of revenge, beating Blackburn who have fallen to defeats to the likes of Wednesday Bolton after that opening day hot start. And you can tell this is not going to be the same season as the last one. I think the momentum has run out. Perhaps the loss of David Batty wasn't um, great. They've not really signed too much by way of replacements. And maybe the thing of sort of keeping going and retaining the league, obviously very, very difficult. And only very, very, very good teams get to do that. Blackburn may be falling a little bit victim to that. Other front runners you could include, really, at the start of the season, Arsenal. They they got six points on the board in August, but they were shackled by draws to Middlesbrough, Coventry, Nottingham Forest. Chelsea as well, it, it took them until game four to score and, They've got three points from four games, so maybe their title bid's already faltering as well. Three draws and a loss for them there. In terms of the new boys, you've got Middlesbrough had a a very tough start, Arsenal, Chelsea, Newcastle, but ultimately took four points. Bolton got the scalp in that derby against Blackburn, but lost the rest against Wimbledon, Newcastle, Aston Villa. Maybe a case of um, winning the game's important to them, but floundering, of course, unfortunately, and average says that they'll probably go down. They are, though... Top of the bottom six on three points. QPR and West Ham above the dotted line. Spurs, Southampton and Man City below it. Meanwhile, Newcastle top the table with maximum points. The only team to do so after four games. Leeds are two behind on ten. Liverpool, and Man United and Aston Villa all on nine and Wimbledon on seven. As we head in to the autumnal season of September 1995, Newcastle record a first loss against Southampton, but crucially rebound quite quickly and swiftly. 5-1 on aggregate against the likes of Man City, Chelsea. Two doubles from Sir Les and already sticking a claim for the PFA Player of the Year, isn't he? What a man in form he is. Manchester United get their third revenge of the season with the uh, win over Everton after losing the cup final earlier on in the year. They win 3-2 there. They score three against Bolton as well, but are held by Sheffield Wednesday. Blackburn... I mean, I was at odds to include them in the title race section of this month because they get beaten again by Liverpool and feel that there are no title consequences here. Um, Their only win in September is a 5-1 win over Coventry. Liverpool, meanwhile, after that um, win over Bolton, they score, they score, shed more against Bolton as well in another win, but are stunned by um, the early high flyers in Wimbledon who were, who always up for an upset, aren't they? Really, and um, Arsenal, their unbeaten run is over after a Mark Hughes winner for Chelsea. Although, that doesn't stop that kind of doesn't stop Chelsea not being in the title picture, really. Um, slow start for them, regardless. Dennis Bergkamp gets off the mark, they were kind of. Um, murmurs and whispers that he might not be the 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 player that they thought he might have been which is funny now but after eight games he hadn't scored imagine that but he sets the record straight against southampton scoring two sublime finishes in a 4-2 win against the struggling saints who are in it's still in the relegation zone on five points by the time we get to october after seven games meanwhile you've got pick of the rest Tony Yeboah, another thunder strike. Part of a hat-trick against against Wimbledon. Yeah, in a 4-2 defeat. Another player of the month award for the Ghanaian. Dwight York scores the quickest goal of the season down at um, Coventry there in in a victory. Meanwhile, Nottingham Forest thrash Man City 3-0. This is not the Forest team that we were discussing last season. (laughs) They've lost Stan Collymore, Chris Armstrong as well. City still without a win. One point from eight games. Properly propping up the table now. Alan Ball kind of looking untenable at the moment. They are three points behind Bolton, four points behind West Ham and Southampton, who straddle that drop zone, and QPR and Coventry both on six points, five ahead of Man City, but still, of course, in the uh, in that scrap early on, which you don't want to be in. Meanwhile, we've got Manchester United just slightly behind Newcastle, two points behind the Toon Army, who have 18 points from seven games. Meanwhile, you've got Liverpool, Arsenal, Aston Villa, and Leeds bunched up quite close as well and the uh, top six only separated by five points so could have a bit of a title race in today. October 1995 is encapsulated by the return of one man, of course Eric Cantona returns. October the 1st 1995, the game of course apt as it was, Liverpool at home, an immediate impact Despite Robbie Fowler's sublime performance, it, which probably goes unnoticed now, but a, a superb lob, little badge on Gary Neville as well, <laughs> a lovely little lob to make it uh, 2-1, but King Eric assists Nicky Butt for a, for a fantastic finish, scores the equalising penalty, the uh, famous celebration on the uh, stanchion of the Gorderets uh, on the East Stand at Old Trafford, and... Perhaps that's a catalyst. Um, in terms of the title race, I'm pretty sure we can count Blackburn out now. They've got seven points from seven games. Yeah, they're they're out of it now, unfortunately. I think even at this early stage, not even not even Christmas yet, and um, they're gone. Meanwhile, Manchester United was an absolute perfect month after the international break. After that draw against Liverpool, you got your one nil derby win against Man City. You got a four one win over Chelsea and a two 0 victory over new boys Middlesbrough. Would have been perfect for Newcastle as well, but they had a similar month to uh, to United here. They beat Everton, beat QPR, beat Wimbledon, scoring a mammoth 12 goals in those three games, but they drew against Spurs, so the gap is still two points after 11 games. Liverpool, they've dropped a little bit back. They failed to score against Coventry in a 0-0, but bounced back to uh, absolutely smash Manchester City for six and beat Southampton as well, 3-1. Arsenal's, um, Arsenal's month was really defined by Ian Wright and Dennis Bergkamp's relationship on the pitch blossoming. Ian Wright scores an absolutely superb lob against Leeds, one of the more underrated goals of the season in that 3-0 win at Elland Road, which did knock Leeds a bit, um, and especially after a 0-0 draw against Manchester City as well. Uh, but Gary McAllister gets them back on the board with a hat-trick against Coventry. Other highlights, you've got Juninia finally unveiled. Um after a 1-0 win against QPR for Middlesbrough and Duncan Ferguson earns the name Duncan Disorderly after he's jailed for assault. So after 11 games we've got Newcastle, still top on 28, Man United still, still second, two points behind on 26. The gap is still seven points between the likes of Middlesbrough, Dorton Forest, Arsenal and Liverpool who are Looking like the the best of the rest already, although Liverpool do look like they've got a little bit more in the tank as we move into November. Meanwhile, the bottom six, Wimbledon's strong start, falling away now. They're 15th with 10 points. Everton and Southampton above the drop zone on nine. Bolton, Coventry, and now doomed Manchester City in the drop zone. Although Bolton and Coventry on eight and seven points respectively could still... um, Quite comfortably get out of it, Man City on two points, seven points adrift already. The fireworks aren't even out. Uh, could be a could be a long old season, couldn't it? And we have Newcastle against Liverpool in the less famous of the two games in this season. You've got um, Steve Watson scoring a 90th minute winner, regardless though, for Newcastle. Rob Lee scoring a winner against Leeds, and that unbeaten run is still continuing. Newcastle is stretching out that gap to Manchester United after, especially. A Dennis Bergkamp winner for Arsenal in a 1-0 win. Man United would bounce back though, scoring eight against Southampton and Coventry, but that gap is five points. Newcastle on 38 after 15 games. Liverpool, though, they've fallen off a cliff. They're no longer third. They're not even in the top six anymore. They uh, they lost against Newcastle, of course. Then the Merseyside derby came and they lost that too. And, um, of course, no win in November for the Reds. Meanwhile, Arsenal... Have ascended to take that third spot. Of course, you've got the win against Man United. Then you've got a North London derby loss, courtesy of the Chris Armstrong winner there. But seven points from four games means they will they, they will take third place quite comfortably. 28 points only, a point ahead of Aston Villa, two points ahead of Spurs and Middlesbrough elsewhere in the top six. Middlesbrough, really did wobble a little bit, but that top six is still quite a good position for them considering they've just been promoted that month really saved by the 2-1 win at home to Liverpool. Famous, famous win. Forrest, meanwhile, they were going well. We had them in the top six the previous month, but um, got smashed 7-0 at Ewood Park. And Blackburn, even though the champions, still not in great shakes. And uh, Man City, though, I said they were doomed. Um, <laughs> had a pretty good season. Two points from 11. 11 games turns to a 1-0 win over Bolton, a 1-0 win over Wimbledon, a 1-0 win over Villa... And a draw against Sheffield Wednesday suddenly has them out, out of the uh, drop zone. They're on 12 points alongside Wimbledon, who were in the top six just a moment ago. And it's QPR, it's Coventry, it's Bolton now in the, in the drop zone as we head in. The tinsel's up, the snow's probably on the pavement. I, I wasn't really fully formed in my brain in December 1995. Some may say not even now. Anyway, a little bit of a wobble potentially for Newcastle as we head into December. Jackie Hishlop's injured, Pavel Cernicek Takes the reins as a number one. But they lose at Chelsea. They then lose at Old Trafford. Andy Cole, of all people, scoring the vital goal in a 2-0 win. And then then you've got a 3-3 draw against Wimbledon. So now you think, oh, surely, surely Manchester United now will be top of the table by Christmas. But they have another absolute disaster. <laughs> Liverpool comfortable in their 2-0 win. Leeds similarly comfortable in a 3-0 win Gary McAllister apparently helps them uh, get going there they draw against Chelsea they draw against Sheffield Wednesday so Manchester United are four points behind and have played a game more with 21 games on the clock so more than halfway Liverpool have a game in hand over Manchester United as well and are only f- six points back now from United and are back in third position it's Anfield, it's Arsenal, it's the mid nineties. So of course you've got a Robbie Fowler hat trick against them, not the ha- not the record breaking one that we had last time, but still hat trick all the same. Almost takes Arsenal out of the race. Arsenal are now eleven points back, having played a game more than Newcastle. Spurs have even le- leaped over Arsenal into fourth spot, and meanwhile Nottingham Forest have returned to the uh, to the big six, the top six as we uh, mark. 1995's end. Meanwhile, in the other highlights, we've got Blackburn Rovers beating Spurs 2-1. Notable for the Premier League 100 club's first member. I wonder who that could be. Of course, it's he who must not be named. Alan Shearer scoring his 100th Premier League goal in a 2-1 win. And to to mark the end of 1995, we've got Bolton, bottom of the league on 10 points. Man City albeit with a game in hand on 16, QPR and 18 they're all looking pretty doomed but we've got Wimbledon, Southampton and Coventry still catchable inside of a game really on the other half of um of the bottom six. So after this short break we will welcome 1996 a banner year for English football (laughs) with the second half of the Premier League season 95-96 after this short break. Welcome back, it's 1996. Newcastle already had a lot of a stranglehold on the Premier League title and rebounded with an absolutely perfect January. Three games, three wins, 2-0 against Arsenal, 1-0 against Coventry, 2-1 against Bolton and they topped that off with a signing of another big name. You've got, of course, Warren Barton. No, but seriously, Tino Aspria signs to bolster that front line a little bit some more. Not that Newcastle needed it, but there we are. Manchester United, meanwhile, they'd had a good bit, good, weird week between Christmas and New Year, but they'd slumped to a 4-1 defeat at White Hart Lane and drew at Villa 0-0. So the gap is now nine points. Newcastle still have the game in hand. United are even in second. And that is because Liverpool, like Newcastle, undefeated, Fowler got player of the month, Roy Evans got manager of the month and they stuck 11 goals beyond Forest, beyond Leeds, beyond Villa and those are three very good, very informed teams as well so Liverpool in quite the form here, 10 points from four games they are now, seemingly, after 24 games the uh, primary contenders for Newcastle's title Liverpool on 45, Man United on 45, some nine points back. Newcastle game in hand, as I said. Tottenham, Forest Villa, also runs. You you can definitely say at this point, really, unless Spurs pick up some form, which I doubt it. Bolton, they sack their manager. It's a bit of a collector's item this season. The only managerial change mid-season we can actually um, count on, really, is Roy McFarland leaves. Colin Todd is in. But it looks a little bit too late as um, as we leave January, Bolton are eight points behind Man City who are in 17th place. Bolton on 13, QPR on 18, Coventry on 20 points despite Coventry's 1-1 draw against Southampton where Noel Whelan was, um, was described by manager Ron Atkinson as Alan Shearer in the making. We'll see um, as we uh, move on through the Barclays. Uh, we'll see if he makes the 100 club. Um, yeah, Southampton Wimbledon, also not out of it just yet. They're four points ahead of the drop zone on 24 points, but uh, we'll be looking over their shoulder as the uh, perennial strugglers, really, as we enter the mid to late 90s and into the 2000s. More on that in the coming months and weeks. But now February 1996, I'd just turned three years old. I was still at nursery. But Newcastle's winning run still continued against Sheffield Wednesday and Middlesbrough. But... But Upton Park, just as it did for Manchester United in May 1995 to stop them winning the league, Upton Park was the ground where Newcastle finally lost again. Tino Aspria bagged his first goal in, um, in the next game, but not enough in what was the game of the season up until this point, of course, in a 3-3 draw against Man City. So with those dropped points, Manchester United couldn't have had a more perfect February. Lee Sharp scores the winner in a 1-0 win over Blackburn. They thrash ball and 6-0-2 to uh, hammer on their misery. And Eric Cantona returns to Sellers Park, heading in in a 4-2 win over Wimbledon. Meanwhile, Ryan Giggs scores a curler against Everton. 2-0. So they've won all their games. They've narrowed the gap down to four points. Still played a game more, but they are back in second now. As um, Liverpool, their undefeated run ha- since November has continued. They do away win against QPR and Blackburn, the latter containing um, that Stan Collymore goal that you might remember where it's a P-roller, bounces over a bit of a divot and uh, yeah. jumps over the goalkeeper, perfect timing and all that. Liverpool are their third then, now nine points behind Newcastle, played the same amount of games, could feasibly still happen, still got to uh, welcome Still got to welcome Newcastle to Anfield, haven't they? Meanwhile, also runs include Aston Villa on 49 points, Spurs on 45, Arsenal on 44, who will probably just be jostling around for them uh, for them European positions. Meanwhile, at the bottom of the table, Bolton still nine points adrift, still <coughs> doomed. Um, QPR still in the drop zone as well, who look like they might be joining them. Man City, though, they're, they're tied with Southampton on 25, Wimbledon, of course, on 25, Coventry as well, but are underneath that dreaded dotted line as we enter March, where the relegation fight really, really gets going here. But it is a month that was really encapsulated by Manchester United's trip to St. James's Park. Man United now had really got in the knack of stuttering to 1-0 wins, the, the hallmark of champions TM um, that uh, Sky commentators often use around this time. And this was no, no, no different here. Mid-march, Eric Cantona volley on the back post. Really, though, Newcastle should have won. The amount of one-on-ones Les Ferdinand had with with, uh, Peter Schmeichel here, huge battle one-on-one here, but Schmeichel wins out a couple of uh, absolutely fantastic saves. Philippe Albert hits the bar, unlike in the following season. (laughs) We'll discuss that in the coming weeks. Newcastle absolutely dominated the first half, but with that win now for United, one point is the difference, um... Les Ferdinand was confirmed as Player of the Year, but Newcastle had a bit of a disaster, really. As Bria scores his first goal at St. James's Park, but they fall to a defeat against Arsenal, and that marks United going top of the table. United coming off that big win at St. James's Park with a a bit of a stutter against QPR, but Cantona's late equaliser. He also is the saviour against Arsenal and against Spurs. 1-0 second half winners for Cantona and United would become a bit of a theme as we... um, as we enter into the Easter time. The uh, squeaky bum time, as they call it, don't they? Uh, Meanwhile, Liverpool, they are only eight points back with a game in hand, thanks to Newcastle's own failings. And still, their um, their undefeated run still does end. They do draw at home to Wimbledon. They lose to Nottingham Forest. But I would say they're still in it. They're still in it. Um, Eight points back, still got Newcastle to play they still got United to play, I think. Um, But Robbie Fowler, though, he's utterly irrepressible against Villa. Scores bags of goals against them. Wins the young player of the year, quite rightly too as well, alongside Les Ferdinand. As we look to be in a bit of a three-horse race there, Villa, if they'd have beaten Liverpool, they would have been in third place. But they are alongside Arsenal and Spurs probably more. Also runs now, um, considering their form, considering they've all played a game more than the likes of Liverpool and Newcastle as well. Turning our attention to the other side of the table, we've got Wimbledon in probably one of the toughest possible months. You've got Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, Everton as well. You can class them as well. They've now, they're now more a mid-table club as as opposed to the struggling seasons they had in the past. And of course, Nottingham Forest, but the win against the Toffees, the win against Forest, the draw against Chelsea and Liverpool as well in Quite a good month, eight points from five games to pull themselves clear a little bit. Still only three points ahead of the drop zone though. Sheffield Wednesday's losing run ends at um, four games with a 2-0 win over Villa and a 1-0 win against Southampton as well. Meanwhile, Coventry, um, their manager Ron Atkinson famously loses it, giving um, the Football Clichés podcast their intro or part of it with his um, blast towards Richard Keyes, you you can play with all your silly little machines all you'd like. Of course, this comes after a 1-0 defeat, that 1-0 defeat to Southampton, which um, Jason Dodd scored the winner in that vital relegation battle. But the highlight of the month in terms of the relegation scrap is probably Georgie King lads' lovely solo goal against the Saints, which puts them above Southampton and above the drop zone, crucially. Um, But for QPR, that is... It's turned into a bit of disaster. Nineteen ninety-six. They've won one, they've um, drawn three, but in a tough month, Arsenal leads at Villa, Man United, Chelsea. It doesn't get any harder. Three draws, two losses. Admirable results, but they are four points off the uh, off safety now. But they've played two games more. Crucially, um, Bolton they've got a nine-point gap, taken back down to four with wins over Yorkshire sides, Sheffield Wednesday, and Leeds, and also. Coventry as well, Coventry uh, are in the drop zone alongside Bolton, Coventry on 27 points, Bolton on 25 as we enter April and quite possibly the greatest Premier League game of all time. Certainly had a huge hand in its importance as well as its entertainment of course, but its importance in the league title season. 4-3, Stan Collymore closed in, Um, won't delve into it too much, we'll probably do a great games podcast on it at some point on Patreon. So there we are with that one. In terms of greatest Premier League games of all time, you've got Newcastle 4, Arsenal 4, the huge comeback, probably the greatest Premier League comeback in 2011. You've got Man City's Premier League title win in 2012, the win over QPR. You've got Canu's hat-trick at Stamford Bridge in 99, should be be up there as well. Of course, Liverpool and Newcastle had a sequel in 97, didn't they, another 4-3. You've got Liverpool 3, Man City 2, which looked to have won them the title in 2014, but didn't. Um, all those can be included I think you've also got Newcastle's 5-0 over over Man United in 96 which we'll get on to in a a couple of weeks there but uh, Liverpool Newcastle rightly deserves to be on there. potentially Wigan Arsenal as well bit of a uh, dark horse shout um, for that late comeback as well meanwhile you've got in the title race Man United absolutely capitalizing on this defeat for Newcastle Top versus bottom in the derby as Man City have sunk somewhat. Eric Cantona superb in a 3-2 win. And of course, goes without saying, another Cantona 1-0 against Coventry. They somehow scrape a 1-0 win over Leeds, which is Roy Keane's winner there. They do have a a, a little bit of a stuttering in and amongst this. They lose 3-1 to Southampton, where they have to change the blue kit to the blue kits from the grey kits. And um, here we have the, um, the goal difference between Man United and Newcastle between them two is plus 30 and plus 28. You've then got the, um, after the Leeds game, you've got the Ferguson jibe of um, calling their mentality into question. And uh, we'll uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, perfect result, though, follows for United as they beat Forest 5-1 with that goal difference improving all the time. And with the points being very, very, very close now, and Newcastle's game in hand still an aspect of this title race, that 5-0 winner for Forest might uh, change things somewhat. Newcastle, they would bounce back from that defeat at Anfield. Peter Beards are scoring a magnificent winner. David Batty scoring against his former club, Blackburn, as well. But they lose that game. They're six points behind now with just a game in hand, thanks to the uh, the favours from Southampton on the South Coast. So they will go into May with the, with the title still in their own hands. They've still got a game in hand, still three points behind. They do grind out three 1-0 wins though, like Man United, although that doesn't get well advertised. They are the entertainers, but they're still getting these 1-0 wins. Villa, Southampton, Leeds. The Leeds 1-0 win, of course. It Following that, we've got the famous Sky Sports interview. The headset's on, the microphone's at his mouth, and Keegan just goes on an absolute rant. Unprovoked, um... In the studio, at least, of course, provoked by Ferguson's Ferguson's remarks earlier on in the month, and um, Keegan exclaims that United have to go to Middlesbrough and get something. And then the famous line that Keegan would love it. His Yorkshire accent comes out a little bit, doesn't it? Um, he, he would love it if um, <laughs> if they beat United to the title. And yeah, that's immortalised now. Probably one of the most iconic moments in Premier League history. Much, much repeated by fans up and down the country to this day. I mean, I certainly still paraphrase that most weeks um, now. <laughs> but unfortunately, it is a two-horse race going into May. Liverpool, despite that 4-3 win against Newcastle, officially out of the title race with a 1-0 defeat at Highfield Road and going to May. Obviously, game in Handover United, but but they are seven points back, so officially they can't can't do anything about it. The relegation race though is run for QPR and Bolton, they're both down QPR. They do thrash Southampton 3-0 to take the gap to four points, beat Everton as well to take it to a point, but then they lose to Coventry, they lose to Newcastle. They do beat West Ham with um, two games to play, but Southampton and Coventry both win to take them down. Meanwhile, Bolton, they lose 3-0 at Goodison, which leaves them five points adrift. You've got Sasa Churchich scoring wonderful... His his wonderful goals always seem to be reserved for the games against Chelsea. Previously, it was in a loss. This time, it was in a 2-1 win. So they were two points back with three points, three games to go. But then Tony Cotty's goal all but sends them down. They need to win against Southampton, but Letizia... He scores the winning goal, sends Bolton down immediately. Bolton on 29 points, QPR on 33. They're both cut adrift there down into the the first division for the 96-97 season. Going into the final day though, we have Wimbledon on 40 points. Looking all but safe, but still you never know, do you? Sheffield Wednesday on 39, Coventry on 37, Southampton on 37. They're all above the dotted line. Then you've got Man City on 37. Looks all set to be one of the all-time Premier League relegation scraps, but um, as we'll attest to later on, um, falls somewhat flat a little bit. Let's go into May. We've got three games of the title race to go. We've got Newcastle's trip to Nottingham Forest. A win there really puts the heat on Manchester United, and with goal difference being what it is, United having to go to Middlesbrough famously and get some Newcastle then hosting Spurs. They've got probably a good chance here midweek to beat Forest and then put the pressure on. Newcastle simply had to win anything else and the title goes back to Manchester. Peter Beardsley gets them off to an absolute flyer again. He always does it. But then Ian wont scores a <laughs> ruthless belter for Forest, Makes it 1-1. United, famously, they have to go to Middlesbrough and get some up. A win wins the Premier League. David May heads in. Andy Cole flicks one in from the corner. Giggs scores the immortal third goal, and then that's the game. That's the game over. That's the season over. Newcastle could only draw one-one, but by the time they hear about Man United's first and second goals, it's 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 over. Jason Dasel scores the opener for uh, for Spurs after United had gone 2 0 up. Um, Les Ferdinand pegs Spurs back with 19 minutes to go. Um, it's pretty much game over though. Manchester United are champions but in spite of losing the title entertainment was the uh, was the key word for Newcastle they were a product of its time glorious failure the European championships of course would come England glorious failure despite entertaining us with that 4-1 win over the Netherlands and the loss against Germany Les Ferdinand being supplied by David Ginler and Keith Gillespie, a match made in Heaven. Tino Aspria coming in as well. I mean, the tactics weren't you never hear Blackburn get called entertaining the year the, the year prior to the extent that it stuck with Newcastle for this season. But the tactics weren't too dissimilar to Blackburn. You've got the four four two, classic four four two, with wide, ultra wide wingers not chipping in with any goals, not the inside forwards they had today. Wingers crossing the ball in. And that's what made Newcastle tick. Of course, it helps with Les Ferdinand scoring, <laughs> scoring a ton of goals, Player of the Year as he was. Except the only difference was that Peter Beardsley was in a ten, and which is more shades of Manchester United in the nineties. So you're blending really Kevin Keegan here, blending two of to the two Premier League successes so far. You've got your four four one one system with United. You've got your ultra high and wide wing play of Blackburn from the year prior but Newcastle are really defined by their laissez fair approach to defending you've got the the 4-3 loss at Liverpool which was era defining league defining potentially career defining but ultimately that is kind of a hallmark of Newcastle they do have 1-0 wins in there they do know how to grind results out as we said at the top of the show but ultimately that stands the test of time is Matches like the 4-3 against Liverpool, the 3-3 against Man City, when a a tighter defensive line either either way, in either of those games, the title goes right down to the wire and potentially goal difference. You do have Rob Lee joining Peter Beardsley in almost sort of two number 10 roles, almost in a a 4-1-4-1, except the 4, the second 4 of that, they're all attacking midfielders. You have got your wingers, and you've got your Robley and Peter Beardsley central. So the title winners, Blackburn, Manchester United, for the past three years, they all had defensive responsibility. They all had game management. Newcastle, to an extent, of course, had it. Otherwise, they wouldn't be second. But at crucial points, that deserted them. And perhaps what they do need, potentially, if they were to go forward, a four-four-two. Take it back to Blackburn get a second world-class striker, and maybe they can solve it. But, of course, more on that next time. In terms of the numbers, attacking output, Newcastle were entertaining, quote-unquote, but in terms of goals scored, they only scored 66 goals. That that number has never won a Premier League title. Meanwhile, 37 goals conceded, six Premier League title winners in a 38-game season have conceded that or more. So, potentially what you're looking at here is a lot of bollocks in terms of how history has viewed Newcastle in terms of their disp- defensive responsibility. Yes, you do have the Liverpool Man City results, but you also have really a lack of goals, which hurts Liverpool. They're away form, 26 points away, not good enough whatsoever. Kevin Keegan, not really a fan of opposition tactics. Um, potentially may have hurt them as well. Tino Asprilla, maybe in terms of not being the best second striker that he could have been, as opposed to the striker we'll get next season, may have hampered them as well. That combined with Peter Beardsley's role being relegated to the right wing, not in his usual number 10 position as they go for 4 2 may have hampered them as well. So as a result, Perhaps it's goals, perhaps it's a mish, mishmash of tactical plans that really Newcastle don't get over the line. But in, in reality, you look at the title winners, you've got Eric Cantona and you've got a team that has been built up steadily. Let's not forget these are the double winners of 1994. And that's essentially the team he's trying to, to to beat at its core. You've still got Roy Keane in the middle of the pack. you've still got Eric Cantona up front. You've still got Pallister and Bruce in defence, Schmeichel in goal. For all the you can't win anything with kids, that spine still remained from 1994. So yes, you did have the kids. You did have certain players that that weren't around for the most part in 94. you Gary Nevels, you David Beckhams, you Nicky Butts, Paul Scholes, etc. But the spine of the team remained the same and, and defeating that spine, the most famous United team since the 60s, the 94 team it was always going to be hard for Newcastle in in spite of their entertainment factor, despite, of course, still (laughs) more contradictory. Their 66 goals scored in a 38-game season, which yet has not won a league title here in England. So we go and flip ourselves into the relegation battle. One game to go. QPR and Bolton already down. Sheffield Wednesday, Coventry, Southampton, as we said, above it, as well as Wimbledon, but they're pretty much out of it. Man City below it. You have... Pretty much... Very little goals in this... <laughs> considering... Manchester City... They go 2-0 down to Liverpool... At, at uh, Main Road... Needing a win... But... In the confusion I think... Alan Ball thinks need a draw... Uh, <laughs> this is top level football... How can that happen? Steve Lomas scores an own goal with that header... <laughs> He flicks it over his um, over an opposition, lobs the keeper from twenty five yards. Would have been a superb goal in the other net. Um, yeah, that helps to relegate Man City. Um, Uwe Rosler tries to score a penalty. You've got Kit Simmons as well scoring. Man City just needed one more goal. They couldn't find it in um, in the remaining twelve minutes, and pretty much, sickening as well. Sheffield Wednesday um, score an equaliser on eighty nine minutes with the John Newsom goal so you think Man City think they need an equaliser they think they can stay safe with one one point but they can't obviously because Southampton they've get they're getting a point Coventry City they're getting a point Sheffield Wednesday look like they're getting a point as well City are out they're out they will be back in well a lot a lot of time here, you got 21st century football is the, is the next time where Manchester City will be playing top fight English football. They'll go to the depths of Gillingham, the playoff in 99 and before finally returning. That's the next time we'll see Man City in the top flight, as opposed to QPR, a little bit longer than that. Bolton still again, a little bit longer than that, but we will return to them in the, uh, in the Barclays soon enough. And beside all that, we need to uh, have a look at the table. So we've got Liverpool in third place on 71 points, some seven points behind Newcastle, and courtesy courtesy of their League Cup win over Bolton, you have got them into the Cup Winners' Cup. Also, as a matter of fact, Liverpool got to the FA Cup final as well, but ultimately lost. Eric Cantona 1-0 at Manchester United. Um, story of the season, pretty much. And then Aston Villa, Arsenal, both on 63 points, both take up UEFA Cup spots. And the thick of the mid-table is populated by the likes of Everton in sixth. Blackburn recovered to uh, to 6th you They've got Tottenham as well on that band of three teams on 61 points. Forest, West Ham, Chelsea, never really looked like getting relegated. Middlesbrough finished above Leeds, the 1992 league champions. And you've got now Middlesbrough. Uh, Wimbledon rather on 41 points and then the bottom six that we discussed with Manchester City, QPR and Bolton unfortunately going down to the first division. They will be back in the 2000s and of course somewhere, somewhere, maybe too far down the road we'll revisit them here on the Barclays. Next week episode 71 of the What If Football podcast we'll be back with another round of Obscure Footballer. Until then Join us on YouTube every day for a what-if. Join us on Patreon if you can spare £1 a month for football weekly columns, weekly podcasts, be it nostalgic, head-to-head, great games, Story of My Season podcast that we've been releasing recently. And um, also a contemporary podcast. We're looking at Everton versus Leeds in a combined 11 for uh, ahead of next week's fixture. So check that out as well, as well as... Other alternate football universes on our mailbag every Thursday as well. And other football manager content, etc, 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 all there on Patreon. As well as YouTube, as well as the Sports Social Podcast Network every Wednesday, of course. Until then, thank you for listening. And if you support the channel, thank you for supporting the channel. See you